Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. To follow instructions and be willing to follow instructions means I'm willing to get my instructions from God. I don't depend on my military strategies of the past. I don't depend on my know-how or my knowledge. I don't say, oh God, you gave me a brain. You want me to think this one through on my own. You drop before God and say like a little child, like he's never done this before. God, would you tell me how to do this? It's easy to trust God when we don't know what to do, but how about when we feel confident? When we think we know what's best, why is it so much harder to ask for God's opinion? Welcome to Focal Point. I'm your host, Dave Drewy. Well, today, Pastor Mike Fabares is reminding us that in order to be healthy, effective, fruitful people in our communities, we need to continually check in with God, asking Him how He would like us to proceed. Curious? Well, here's Pastor Mike to explain. Second Samuel chapter five, and if you've been studying with us, you know we've left off right there in verse 17. Verse 17, the Philistines hear that David is the king, and in this passage, they are about to cause him a big problem. They're about to pose a challenge for the leadership of King David and his newly founded, newly unified kingdom. And what David is going to do is something that is incredibly godly, what is really mature, but it's very childlike. It is in God's sight the, the best thing you could do. It, it typifies, it exemplifies the real godly life. And yet, if we look at it, if you really think about it, there are such childish things that he does. Follow along with me as I read for you in verse 17 as the Philistines park right there in David's front door and say, you're not going to rule and reign. You've duped us, you've tricked us, you lived in Ziklag as a part of the nation of the Philistines, and now you're saying that you're the king. We didn't bother you while we had and saw Ishbosheth on the throne in the north, but now he's gone, he's dead. You seem to be the unified, unrivaled leader in Israel, and we don't like that at all. Not only did you deceive us, but you know what? Now you're a threat to us because all of Israel's looking to you. You're, you're going to have to go down. So the Bible says in verse 17, when they heard about David being anointed king over Israel, that is all of Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it, he went down to the stronghold, and now you can imagine, here's the problem, verse 18. The Philistines had come and spread out in battle array, ready to fight the Israelites in the valley of Rephaim. So David, note it, inquired of the Lord. Key words, circle it. We see it all over in David's life, increasingly so as he grows up in his walk with God. He says, God, what should I do? Look at it, bottom of verse 19. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? I just need to know what you want me to do. He says, God, before I do the obvious, I need to just get your permission here. Taking notes this morning, that's the first thing that should demonstrate a growing and increasing habit in our lives. Number one on your outline, you and I need to get in the habit of getting permission. God is saying, would you please depend on me? Not less, would you depend on me more? And if you're depending on me more, you're like a kid. You're like a kid who needs to get permission for everything you do. And you're saying, God, can I? Would it be okay? Is this all right? 
Be careful. Before you do what seems obvious in your life this week, you have a threat at work. Well, respond to it. That's what you do with it. Now, before you do that, if you want to grow up in your, in your relationship with God, drop to your knees and say, God, would this be all right? Is this the right thing to do? David asked. God gave him an answer. Go do it. You'll take him over. It's a good thing. You'll win. And in verses 20 and 21, you see the victory there. We'll get back to some interesting insights into those two verses. But drop down to verse 22. He wins the battle, and round one is over, but the Philistines said, you know, we didn't send out our best men. <laughs> you thought it was over when you beat us, but you know what? Uh, we're going to go round two here, and you're not going to get away with this, David. And the text says that the Philistines once more came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David, I love it, here's the same word. It's in the Hebrew text all over the place, and David's often the one doing it. He inquired of the Lord. What's that mean? He asked. He said, God, I need help here. Now, he doesn't say what you and I might say. Hey, God, we just went through this. We just did this. I can pull out my notes on what we did last time. He says, no, I need to ask you again. That's what little kids do. He can't go to mom and dad and say, well, you know, I went and spent the night at Johnny's house last night because you said it was okay last weekend. Well, you know, you've got to ask for, you know, every incident you need to ask. You don't depend on yesterday's permission for today's challenges. And you shouldn't either. David inquires of the Lord and God. He, Yahweh, answered and said, details coming here now. Uh, you know, when you go fight those Philistines, um, yeah, I want you to do it, and it's a good thing, but don't go straight up. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to circle around behind them, attack them from, you know, where those balsam trees are? Yeah, start there. Get some troops out there. And then as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, maybe they had scouts up there, maybe they heard the trees moving, who knows what, what this was all about. But once you hear that, then, then move quickly, because that will mean, underline this, Yahweh has gone out in front of you. Ooh, that's an interesting phrase. More on that in a minute. To strike the Philistine army. And David, unquote, I mean, that's a long yes, isn't it? <laughs> because it's filled with instructions. So David did as Yahweh commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines. And what do you know? Amazingly, he wins. He wins and pushes them back from Gibeon to Gezer all the way back to the area of the Palestinian coast where the Philistines lived. Pushed them back. Go back. Go home. And it all happened because he said, not only yes, he said, here's how I want you to do that. And David said, I'll follow those instructions. I'll do that. Here's the problem. Sometimes we go to God for permission. We say, God, you know, should I do this or should I not do this? Should I sign up for this? Should I not sign up for this? Should I go on this trip? Should I not go on this trip? God, give me a yes or no. And as soon as God says yes, a lot of times you say, thanks a lot. I'm out of here. And we go, I don't want your instructions. I just want your permission, right? Just quick, tell me yes or no, but I don't want you to sit here and lecture me as to how to do it. See, in the Christian life, if you're going to be more and more dependent on God, it's going to be more than just getting if you can do something. It's going to be, okay, God, now I'm willing and patient enough to sit and wait and tell me how I'm supposed to do this. So, yeah, God, you told me I should take this new job, and this is a good thing for me to do. But, you know, I want to sit for just a few more minutes here with you and see if you'll give me some direction on how you want me to do this. That's maturity. That's when a child really recognizes his dependence on his parents. Because then he starts to say, well, maybe you've been there. Maybe you know. Maybe you, you can give me some direction. Maybe you know the right thing and the right way to do this. Would you give me some insight on that, God? 
Oh, yeah, but I mean, David, he was tight. I mean, this is like Moses. I mean, he was getting details just coming in from some, you know, little horn he'd stick up to his ear or something, and God would just filter all this in. That ain't working for me. You know what? They had a few tablets. They had a couple scrolls stuck away in the Holy of Holies in this tabernacle they had set up. We have in our lap 66 books. It ain't a comic book. Have you noticed this? It's a pretty fat book. Pretty, pretty ominous, pretty intimidating on the surface because it's a catalog of information as to how we're to live life, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in business affairs, in money, in relationships, in parenting, in marriage. It's there and it's full of information. The problem is many of us have never learned to master that book. We don't even read it as much as we watch the TV set. And God would say to us, I got instructions for you with, as, as to how to live life, how to do that thing, how to go in that, in that direction in your life. But you got to spend time getting the instructions into your life. Number two on your outline, that's what it's all about, to be dependent, isn't it? To be willing to follow instructions. And to follow instructions and be willing to follow instructions means I'm willing to get my instructions from God. I don't depend on my military strategies of the past. I don't depend on my know-how or my knowledge. I don't say, oh, God, you gave me a brain. You want me to think this one through on my own. You drop before God and say like a little child, like he's never done this before. God, would you tell me how to do this? And David pulls out his steno pad and starts taking notes. Okay, balsa tree is great. Go around behind, circle back. He doesn't question. He doesn't amend. He doesn't challenge God. He says, fine, God, if that's how you want me to do it, I'll trust in you. I'll trust in you like a child would trust in you. I'll follow your instructions. And who likes instructions, right? Nobody. Who likes it? You go to Target, you go to Costco, you buy this thing that's there on the rack. It's gigantic. And then you look for the box and it's this big, right? And you realize you're going to have to put this thing together. And it comes in 35,000 pieces. And it requires all these tools, right? And of course, the catalog is as big as the pieces because it shows you how you're supposed to put this all together. I recently went through this with some things that I bought, looked at it, looked great on the shelf. It was at Staples or Target or somewhere. And I you know, go to get the box, and the guy brings up a little box. I'm thinking, great, that's the rest of my day right there, right? <laughs> and then I can take it home or to my office, and I can say, well, I don't want my creativity squashed here. I don't want them insulting my intelligence. I'm just going to lay all these pieces out on the floor and take a good look at it, and then I'm just going to go for it, right? Have you ever tried that? Parents, we think we can do this on Christmas Day because those are just toys, right? And we end up with 15 extra pieces and it doesn't quite look like it does on the cover of the box because we didn't follow instructions. And we've heard this for years. We've heard this for years in the, in the world, in the marketplace. They say things like, if all else fails, right? Read the directions, right? Follow the instructions. Pull out the manual and figure out how it's supposed to be done. The problem I have with that is that's a great thing for the world. They can learn from their mistakes. Christians, let us not go through the first part of that. If all else fails, come on, guys. We, we don't need to, to learn that God knows how to fight battles better than we do. We don't have to learn that in the, the lawsuit that they've launched against you, God's got better solutions than your attorney. We don't really have to be brilliant to recognize that in your parenting problems that really God's word knows more than your psychologist does. We don't have to have much brains to figure out that God, the author and architect of life, has got instructions in that 66-book thing called the Bible, and he wants us to learn about how to do life. We need to listen to God. Oh, yeah, but my problem's more complicated than that. My problem's got implications that really go outside the bounds of Scripture. There's nothing in the Bible about this, or there's nothing in the Bible about that. Default to that name again. 
that person, that friend, that acquaintance that you know that knows more about the Bible than you do, you might be surprised how much is in that book that applies to the current contemporary situations of your life. You might be surprised that there are really scriptural principles right there in the text that relate to the situation that you're working through. And you're saying, okay, God said I can do this. Now I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Do you know the Bible speaks to these issues? Get with that guy, that gal that knows more about the Bible than you and sit down and say, help me. And sometimes, based on the principles of Scripture, that godly person will sit across the table from you and give you some wise counsel. Get your steno pad out and take some notes. And just like David said, okay, uh, march around behind. Okay, let me get that down. Balsam trees, I know where those are. Okay, I'll try that. And based on the confirmation that comes through the Holy Spirit and the peace in our lives, when we hear God counsel, godly counsel waft into our ears, we'll say, you know what? That is what God wants me to do. And we'll go after it. And God will give victory just like he did for David. And it was big victory. He pushed them all the way back to the borders of their land. And the Philistines were like, wow, I guess we're not going to be able to take this guy. And we don't see the Philistines attack David again. Now, what do you do when you get permission from God to do something and you get instructions from God to do something and then he gives you victory? Back up to verse 20 and 21. Let me pull these verses to the end of our discussion to show you that David was in the habit of doing this. And I assume he did this after the second Philistine victory in this chapter, not only after the first, but in the first he does it in a dramatic way. It says in verse 20, this is at the tail end in the consummation of this first battle. It says, David went to, ba to Baal-perazim. Baal or Baal-perazim is something that may look to you like some name of some foreign god because you've been trained, if you're a Sunday school graduate, that Baal or Baal is the name for a foreign god. Well, it was, but it had its origin in the Hebrew language as simply a word for master or lord or king. It was a word that was used oftentimes for God in the most old and ancient Hebrew traditions. And the text says, when he defeated them, David said, as waters break out, Yahweh is broken out against my enemies. So that place was called Baal-perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. And according to Chronicles, it says that he put them in a pile and he burned them that day. What's the point? The name of this place doesn't have a pagan name. It has a godly name. And it's a godly name, and it's talking about what God had done in that little place. And in that little place, David memorialized it like we've seen him do before in 1 Samuel. He said, God's done something great here, and I'm going to give it a name, and I'm going to say, this is what God has done here. God has broken out against my enemies like a, like a dam bursting, and out goes God, and God gives victory. And he says, I'm going to recognize the God connection between my victory in this and God. Because here he is so dependent on God that he's asking God if it's okay. And he's so dependent on God, he's saying, God, I'm willing to take instructions from you as to how it ought to be done. And then when something good happens as a result of that, David is always in the habit of saying, God, thanks. You did this. You're responsible for this. And he says, we're going to call this place God Breaks Out. God does it. God wins. God is strong. God defeats my enemies. We're going to call this place that. Turn over, if you would, to Psalm 44. Let me show you a wonderful little psalm of the sons of Korah that gives us a sense of what godly people do. They make the connection, the God connection between the good in my life and the victories in my life and the accomplishments in my life, especially when they're based on obedience. Look at verse 3. Here's the way it ought to work in our minds. 
the psalmist looks back, says it wasn't by their sword that they won the land, and you can apply this right to David's situation. It wasn't because he was a great military strategist or had a great army, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was, notice this godly, dependent, childish mindset of thanksgiving and credit. It was your right hand, your arm, the light of your face because you loved him. Oh, what a good connection that is. God did this for me, and he did it for me because he loved me. He gave me permission because he knew what was best for me. He gave me direction because he cares about my life. You are my king, verse 4 says. You are my God who decrees. I love that. You decree victories for Jacob, for Israel, for your people. I mean, you're the one doing this. Through you, we push back our enemies. It wasn't by our own strength, our own know-how or knowledge. Through your name, we trampled our foes. I don't trust in my bow or my sword. It doesn't bring me victory. But you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. I love this. Verse 8, in God, we make our boast all day long. Do you ever notice that real godly people that you know are constantly filled with thanksgiving? That's really a childish thing, isn't it? They don't take credit for their own life. They don't take credit for their own knowledge, for their own know-how, for their own insight, for their own lives. They're constantly blaming it on God. They're constantly making their boast in God. Last phrase of verse, verse 8, I love it. We will praise your name forever. It's all about you. New Christians get sick of mature Christians who are constantly doing this, right? Nah, they are always, you know, it's always God, 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 God. You can't compliment him. You can't whatever. It's all about God. Well, you know what? It is all about God. And the more we recognize that as maturing Christians and grow up to be more childlike, and I say that because good kids have this, don't they? This week, my wife and I took some of the kids from our neighborhood, along with our own two kids, to the carnival over here across the way. Well, on our way there, of course, I was driving, and I thought it was a good idea to drive through Taco Bell for lunch. That's just what I thought would be a good thing to do on the way to the carnival. I didn't ride any rides, so I thought that was a real good deal. I could... Uh, stock up on this. So I drive through uh, Taco Bell, and the kids, of course, got their piggy bank money or their babysitting money and all their stuff there. They have all this money. We packed the van full. It's full of kids, right? And we pull through, um, you know, Taco Bell, and I decide to pay for lunch. Now, it's not the chart house, I realize, but, you know, I'm, 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 paying, I'm paying for a couple bean burritos here. Well, what was hilarious is all these kids start pulling out their money trying to give me money for this. I said, no, that's okay. I'll buy lunch. Save your money for the carnival. It's okay. They started through their thank yous, and it was hilarious. They, oh, thank you, Pastor Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for taking us, Pastor Mike. Oh, yeah, and thanks for bringing us to the carnival, and thanks for driving to it. And, and I started laughing, right? I'm looking at my wife just laughing. And it was hilarious to me. I thought, oh, come on. But then I thought about it. They're kids. They're kids. They're not going to hop in their car today and drive off to the carnival, right? They're not going to go to Taco Bell because they're sitting around in the cul-de-sac saying, no, I think we go to Taco Bell for lunch today. They don't think that way. They're kids. If I take them to Taco Bell, man, it's a big deal. If I pay for it and they don't have to pay their own money, that's a big deal. If I take them to the carnival, it's a big deal. Why? Because they're so dependent. They can't do it on their own. And they recognize that. I thought to myself in pondering what had happened, and I thought about laughing, and then I felt bad about laughing, and I, I thought, you know what? That's the way we ought to be. But unfortunately, we're big, autonomous, self-reliant people, and we often think when we do something in life, we've done it. We haven't. Every single breath you breathe, according to the Apostle Paul, standing on the Mount of Ari on, in the Areopagus there on Mars Hill, as they call it in Acts 17, he says that the people in him we live, we move and exist. Paul wrote to the Colossians, and he says, everything in Christ, it all holds together in him, and in him all things consist. If that's true, then there's not one thing in my life that happens good that I can give credit to myself for. Give God credit. 
That's a childish thing to do, incredibly mature thing to do. My challenge for you this week is to reflect this godly character of David constantly on his knees. God, will you let me? Constantly standing before God, God, tell me how. And constantly saying and bowing before God, thank you. And that's the third thing in your outline. Would you just get in the habit of giving thanks to God? Saying thank you. Would you say thank you more often this week to God? Would you just say, God, you've done a good thing here. You've, you've provided, you've, you've done great things. And I'm gonna give you credit for it. Get permission more often, <laughs> follow the instructions, say thanks. You do those things, you'll reflect a childlike but incredibly mature attitude in the Christian life. And I challenge you to do that. Christ said that's what it means to be great. Amen. You're listening to Focal Point with pastor, author, and teacher, Mike Fabares. He has titled today's message, Basic Instructions for the Challenges You Face. You can listen to this message and many others on demand when you visit focalpointradio.org. Well, Mike, Christians have been saying that truth is under attack for decades. But wow, I don't think I've ever seen it this bad before. Yeah, Dave, the ideological battles that were taking place 30 years ago, those seem very tame compared to what's going on today. I mean, think about it. Just even the idea of defining a woman or a man. I mean, that men can get pregnant, that these doctors are out there trying to provide, uh, you know, gender-affirming care. It's just crazy, right? The people fighting for their right uh, to continue to slaughter the unborn. And it seems to be getting worse. And it's no wonder that the Bible is under attack. Right? In the world's eyes, there's no such thing as the truth, right? Truth that sits there and tells us how to live. And yet, if you listen to Focal Point Radio, you know that, that the Bible's black and white. It's clear, right? There's no my truth, your truth. There's just the truth. And the truth doesn't change. It doesn't ever change. It doesn't matter what's popular today or tomorrow or in our culture or that culture, right? What matters is the truth. It's under attack, maybe like never before, but now's the time for us to continue to double down. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're not going to waver. We've got a responsibility, a God-given duty to defend and declare the truth of God's word. No apologies, right? That's what we do every single day here on Focal Point. That's our commitment. And I'm calling, inviting our faithful listeners this Christmas season to give in support of seeing this continue on through Focal Point. Your year-end gifts to Focal Point, they provide a financial means that are necessary to send this program out each and every day across the airwaves, online, and through our mobile app. That is just, it's so critical. It's essential. And we'd ask you to stand with us as we declare the truth God's truth in a culture where truth is under attack. Thank you so much for your special year-end gifts, and we couldn't do this, obviously, without friends like you. Go online to focalpointradio.org. You can also donate by calling 888-320-5885. And to show our gratitude for your gift today, we'd like to send you a helpful book titled The Essential Scriptures, a Handbook of the Biblical Texts for Key Doctrines by author Kevin D. Zuber. If you want to be a lifelong student of Scripture, then this reference book deserves a place in your library. It's presented in an organized, easy-to-use handbook format. The Essential Scriptures helps you keep track of which scriptures support which doctrines and balances biblical passages with helpful commentary. Ask for The Essential Scriptures when you make your Christmas gift to Focal Point today by calling 888-320-5885 or give online at focalpointradio.org. 
If you prefer sending your donation by mail, write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Well, as the end of the year gets closer, we're taking a moment to reflect on the many new friends and acquaintances we've made this year. And if you haven't reached out in some time, we want to remind you that we love it when our listeners get in touch. Today's the perfect day to connect. And when you do, we're going to send you a special gift. It's an engaging and thought-provoking booklet by Ken Ham titled, From Creation to Bethlehem. This Advent-enriching booklet is yours free by calling 888-320-5885 or find it online at focalpointradio.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you back again tomorrow when Mike Fabares sheds light on Hanukkah. That's Friday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. You know, it's an honor to be with you every day, helping you explore the depths of Scripture. But I want to be clear, no amount of Bible knowledge is ever going to save you. Be sure where you stand with God. Get in touch with us. We'd love to pray with you and for you. Visit us today at focalpointradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.